Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. All right, no matter what team you root for, competition makes us do some crazy things. Did you guys hear that in Athens, the stores got rid of all their Irish spring soap um, leading up to the game yesterday, and, uh, and that was good stuff. Speaking of competition that makes you do crazy things, I want us to take just a minute to send all of our thoughts and prayers to the Notre Dame players that are all incredibly injured after the game last night. Um, if you don't know why that's funny, ask somebody in a red shirt. They'll tell you all about the fake injuries that happened yesterday. Hey, this is all going to tie into our theme for today in just um, a minute. But before we get there, I want to tell you we're in the middle of a series called uh, The Playbook. The Playbook. And, and the reason we're doing this series is because um, we're trying to get you and me and all of us deeper and deeper into the Word of God. So throughout this series, we've put together a Bible reading plan, and, and we're asking you to read for about 10 minutes every single day. And if you'll do that, it'll take you all the way through the New Testament throughout the series. And we're actually, we're picking sermons based on the text that you read the week before. So whatever you read, you're going to hear something about that when you come to church the next week. And I can tell you why I personally love this series when I was a kid, probably third or fourth grade, I can remember deciding that I was going to read the Bible, and I was going to read it from cover to cover. Anybody ever do that or say they're going to do that? I've read Genesis like 430 times, but haven't made it all the way to Revelation quite that many. But I started in Genesis, and I read all the way to Genesis 37 about Joseph. And and it stands out in my mind because as a kid, I was, I was sitting in a church pew, and I remember the preacher preached on the same text I had just read that past week. And it, it amazed me that he was able to pull so much depth and so much application out of that text that it changed how I read the Bible from that day forward. And I was excited about reading the Bible because I recognized the same God who spoke to that man of God had made himself available to me, a young kid, a new believer, and I was excited that I got to engage with him in that way. And that's, that's really what we're hoping happens for you as you work throughout this series. Uh, today, I, I want to look at one verse um, that really stood out to me in our reading over this past week, and that verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. And in that verse, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, why would that verse stand out to me so much? Well, it stood out because I believe that as he's talking to a congregation of believers just like us, if I were to pick three random people in this room and assign any number of topics, I could turn that conversation into a cage match. Okay? Let me show you some examples of what I mean. What color is this? Yeah, some of y'all say white and gold. Some of y'all need Jesus um, because you see something different. Um, yeah, we can't even agree on a dress picture, you know, on what colors are there. What about this next one? Which one is better? 
Yeah, I don't even have to put the names up here, do I? You know exactly what these are. You got Chick-fil-A and, and you got Popeye's. And, and this really is a test of fellowship for us here at Northridge Christian Church. It is Chick-fil-A. There is a right answer and there is a wrong answer. Um, just know that as, as you're here worshiping with us. What about this next one? How do you pronounce that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three and I want you to say it. One, two, three. GIF. That was good. Most of you guys got that. GIF is what you put on your sandwich, you know. Um, GIF is something that you look at on your screen. Listen, this is simple stuff, but it, it demonstrates a powerful point. We can't agree on anything. We can't agree on anything. And that's not even getting to the important stuff like, like politics or the proper way to load a dishwasher or things like that. I mean, look around you today as we're having Jersey Day and everybody's wearing their sports stuff. We can't even agree on which team that we're rooting for. How in the world are we going to come together to experience real unity in this place? Well, according to Paul, unity is not only possible, but it is an essential part of becoming the church that God wants us to be. The kind of church he wants to use to make a difference in this world. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this idea of unity and, and hopefully it's going to lead us to a place where we can achieve something that oftentimes feels really out of reach and that's unity with one another. Let me give you my sermon in a sentence. Uh, division is effortless, but unity is essential. I want you to read that with me. Division is effortless, but unity is essential. You guys can't even read in unison. You realize that? This sermon is going to be a challenge as we work through this, but, but we're going to get through it. Let me, let me tell you what we sometimes do. When we read challenging scriptures like this, things that really test our level of obedience, a lot of times we just say, you know what, the church that Paul was writing to, the church in Corinth, obviously they didn't struggle with this the way we struggle with this. I mean, that's an ancient city. That was, that was a lifetime ago, 10 lifetimes ago. That was... Actually, I think it was more like 20 lifetimes ago, but it was, it was a long, long time ago. How many, how many football teams could Corinth have even had, you know? Like, there was nothing to divide them. There was nothing to separate them. If Paul had spoken to us, Paul would have had a different instruction because he would recognize that this is a difficult issue for us. Well, I want us to unpack that a little bit by going back and looking at the church in Corinth and figuring out if they can relate to us in any way. You see, the city of Corinth actually um, dates back to prehistoric times. Um, we know that it was a, a wealthy area, a wealthy um, commercial and trade center over 800 years before Jesus ever walked on this earth. We know that because the, the Greek poet Homer that wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey, he actually wrote in one of his writings about wealthy Corinth. But we also know that about 146 BC, Roman armies invaded and destroyed Corinth. I mean, they wiped it out. They killed all of the men. They enslaved all of the women and the children. And it took Corinth 100 years to begin to establish itself as a city again. You see, about 100 years later, Julius Caesar decided that he was going to repopulate the city of Corinth. And so what he did was he filled it with freed Italians and slaves from every nation. And within, within just a few short years, um, the city of Corinth was booming again, and it was home to over 500,000 people. 
Let me tell you some of the people that were a part of that group. First, there was wealthy merchants and sailors that flocked to this area. There was professional gamblers and athletes. There were slaves, sometimes freed, but with no place to go. There was prostitutes, both male and female. There was former pagans, and then there was Jewish believers. There were people from, from different national, social, economic, and religious backgrounds. People that had different priorities and different lifestyles. People that, quite frankly, were as different as different could be. Why is this important? Because these are the people that eventually made up the church of Corinth. You see, all of these people with all of their differences, they came together based on the one thing that they had in common. And that was that they had responded to the hope that Paul had preached about. They had put their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ. And that brought them together. And as a result of that one thing... They had learned how to live with one another. Because of that one thing, they had learned how to worship with one another. Because of that one thing, they had learned how to serve together in harmony. What a beautiful picture is that? Wouldn't it be great if that was where the story ended? Like, that's it. Corinth, the church was doing great. They are a model for us to follow, but we know that's not the case. Anybody want to guess how long that lasted? Paul wrote this letter five years after the church started. Within just five years, Paul walked away and he began to minister to other places. And as he walked away, the the things that separated these people began to weigh more than the thing that united them together. And as a result, division creeped in and it began to divide people from one another. Their unity was crumbling under the weight of their differences. This isn't all that surprising. You've, you've seen this happen before. You know, if you're in college and you've got a roommate, when you first got together with your roommate, you thought, this is the coolest guy, this is the coolest girl in the world. I'm having a good time. We're so in sync. They're not trying to control me like my mom did, you know. And then all of a sudden, after a little bit of time passes, all those little habits that they have start to drive you nuts, right? And all of a sudden, that, that connection that you had with them starts to fall apart because you got to know them a little bit better. You know, the same thing is true when, when you get married. I always do premarital counseling with couples, and I always say, we don't ever fight. <laughs> we don't have anything that separates us. Like, we, we tell each other everything, and everything is great and wonderful, and we've never had a fight. I give it two weeks <laughs> after you get married. And all of a sudden, that, that connection begins to change as you get to know them better. That's, that's what's going on in the Corinthian church. They, they started off strong, but as they've gotten to know each other, as that relationship has grown, they've started to grow apart. Now, I wonder, I wonder if Paul had people on the inside of our church, and, and he was listening to what was going on in this place I wonder if he would say that we struggle with some of those same things. I wonder if he would say we struggle with division in some way. You see, Paul was ministering to another church. He was ministering to another group, but when he got word what was going on in Corinth, he stopped what he was doing and he wrote down a letter. And he said, I've got to address this. I've got to fix this. I've got to work with these people so that we can move them past this. I wonder if he knew about Northridge Christian Church, if he would say, you guys have got it together. You've got it figured out. You're perfectly united. Or whether or not he would say, I've got to stop what I'm doing and I've got to address this because this is a big issue that needs 
to be dealt with. You see, we know that Paul got his information about the church in Corinth from three different places. First, um, from the servants of a household of Chloe. It was people that were involved in the church that were communicating with him about what was really going on behind the scenes. We also know that the church of Corinth, they penned a letter to Paul and they asked for clarification and, and they asked some questions. They told him about what was going on. And then finally, there was three men who delivered that letter and Paul had a conversation with them. And, and through that, he found out more about what was going on in the church. Of those three different resources, we know that two of them talked about the division in the church, but one of them, one of them downplayed it. One of them uh, just tried to avoid it. One of them didn't bring to light, bring to the surface what was really going on. Can anybody guess which one did not bring to the surface the disunity that was happening in the church? Yeah, it was the letter the church wrote. You see, they had a public image that they wanted to put forth, and, and that public image didn't necessarily match what was going on behind the scenes, and I think a lot of churches struggle with that. We have an online presence. We have a presence in the community, and we want people to see that everything is great and everything is wonderful, and there's no division in this place, and we all love each other, and we sing Kumbaya every single Sunday. But if you talk to the people that are in the church, sometimes they would say, yeah, but that's not my experience. I felt disunity. I felt judged. I felt division. I felt separated. I think if Paul were to speak to a church like that, he would give them the same message today that he gave back then. You see, Paul understood something important that we need to understand too. If we are not united together as a church, we are only a shell of the church that God wants us to be. And if we are united together, if we have figured this out, if we have come to a place where we're defined by our unity, we have got to study it, we've got to embrace it, and we've got to fight for it because it can be gone just like that. Listen, this morning, I, I want to give you three basic truths about unity. Three things that I think will motivate all of us to say we've got to come together on this We've got to move towards a place of unity so that we can experience all the things that God has in store for us. Here's the first one. Unity, not uniformity, is the goal. Unity, not uniformity, is the goal. You see, the goal is not that we would all wear the same jersey. The goal is not that we would all vote for the same candidate. The goal is not that we would all attend the same school. The goal is that we would combine all of those differences together. We would harness them into one unstoppable force that God is using to transform this world. Paul addresses this in chapter 12 of Corinthians when he says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. You see, the human body is diverse. All of the parts don't work the same way. Your nose doesn't act like a hand. Your hand doesn't act like a foot. But all of those things come together, combine towards one mission, and it allows us to experience the things we experience in this world. Listen, I got to experience this in a real tangible way over the past couple weeks. My son is three years old. His name is Brantley, and this is him right here. And as you can see, he's all wrapped up with all this stuff because he broke his collarbone at school. 
And when he broke his collarbone, they told us we've got to put it in a sling and we've got to wrap this, this thing around it to hold it in place. And he can't use his dominant hand for weeks. You try and slow that kid down. That's tough. I need prayer, okay? Uh, that's tough stuff. But what's interesting is, is I saw him, and you need to understand this. My son's world revolves around chips, okay? He loves chips. Chips are his favorite thing in the world. His day begins with chips. His day ends with chips. He literally prays to thank God for chips because they are the most important thing in his life. And right after he got this sling on, his eyes noticed a bag of chips. His mouth began to do its job. It began to water to receive those chips. His stomach began to growl for those chips. His legs, they carried him to where the chips were. His left hand reached out and grabbed the bag of chips. But when he went to pick up a chip and move it towards his mouth, he did not have a hand to accomplish the task. And my son panicked with a bag of chips in his hand because he could not figure out how he was going to eat chips with this sling on. Listen, every part of the body is important because it works together towards the common goal. Here's why that's important. I believe that there are some things that God has in store for our church some things that he wants to do through us, but those things are not going to be accomplished until we come together as unique parts of one body, combining our gifts, combining our talents, combining our passions, combining our personalities, and saying we are gonna work together towards the things that God has in store for us. Listen, God does not use one personality type. God does not use one skill set. God does not use one gender. He doesn't use one age. He doesn't use one race. He wants us to come together, and in doing that, he uses us as a whole to change the world. Unity does not require uniformity. As a matter of fact, it repels it. Why? Because diversity is what gives unity the power to accomplish its goal. The more diverse we are, the more powerful we are when we bring our differences together and combine them under the mission that God has in store for us. Here's the second thing. Unity makes us unique. Unity makes us unique. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 17, right before he's arrested and, and, and ultimately hung on a cross. He prays for our unity. This is what he says. My prayer is not for them alone, meaning the disciples, the believers he's with. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Listen, here's what that passage says. Here's what his prayer tells me. When will the world experience the love of Jesus Christ? When they see us begin to love one another. Our unity, our ability to come together amidst all of the differences, that is the greatest evangelistic tool we have in introducing the world to Jesus Christ. 
Get this, people will embrace Jesus when they see us embrace each other. We just sang about that. He said, sing with me, how great is our God. We're singing together. Then the world will know how great is our God. When they see us come together with one voice, with one unity, singing the praises of Jesus Christ. Listen, I really hate to brag on Alabama football. You have no idea how much I hate to brag on Alabama football. I didn't eat breakfast this morning just so I wouldn't get choked up and gag while I did this. But there was something that happened with Alabama football that I wanted to talk about in illustration of this. Um, I'll show you a picture of uh, these two guys. One of them is Jalen Hurts right here. He's no longer with Alabama. And this is Tua Tagovailoa think I got that right. I did not in the last service. Okay, I got some Alabama people waving or nodding at me. That's good. All right, so let me tell you about these two guys. Jalen Hurts, he broke every record in the world. In the last service, I read through all the records that he broke, but it went really long. He broke every record. He was the youngest guy doing all these amazing things. Jalen Hurts was on top of the world. He was winning games. He was leading his team forward. He was standing out as a phenomenal young player that was absolutely revolutionizing the game until he got into a championship game against Georgia. And when he got into a championship game against Georgia, he was completely ineffective. For the entire first half, he could do nothing right. He just had one of those days where nothing was clicking. And so his coach, Nick Saban, decided that he was going to pull him from the game in the championship and replace him with Tua. And when he replaced him with Tua, Tua stood out as a phenomenal young player. But get this, this is why this is important. Jalen Hurts also stood out, not as the player who won the game, but as the one who was so focused on the mission that he supported his teammate even when it cost him something. You see, when the game was over and Tua came out on top, Jalen Hurts was the first one out there to celebrate with him. He was cheering from the sideline. He was screaming out his name. He hugged him after the game because even though I'm sure he had thoughts in his head that said, wait a minute, this isn't good for you. You're going to lose your, your starter spot. You're going to miss out on the records that you're set to break. He wrestled those thoughts to the ground so that he could stay focused on the most important thing in that moment. And that was his team's success. And because of that, he was able to celebrate with Tua. Listen, when he did that, when he did that, he gained the respect of the entire football nation because they recognized that that wasn't easy, that was special, and that was worth noting. Listen, if he can do something like that on a football field and it gained the attention of the world, what is going to happen when we experience that kind of unity right here inside the church? Listen, unity doesn't happen by accident. Staying focused on the larger mission as opposed to your personal goals and ambition is not easy. But when that happens, when it exists, it gains the attention of the world. And the world is going to want what you have. Listen, there is no team, there is no organization, there is no group that can outdo what God wants to do with us. When unity is working right, people are going to taste it. And they're going to begin to crave it the moment they touch it because there is nothing else like it. Listen, we have got to make sure we don't let Satan chip away at this in our church, in this place, because it's in his crosshairs. The moment you have a thought 
a feeling in your heart, a prejudice that should not be there. You've got to wrestle it to the ground so that we can rise up in unity. You've got to reach a place where where you can pray for the person that you feel inclined to pull away from. You've got to reach a place where you say, I want to invite people that are different from me, that are not part of my circle, into my home so that I can learn from their experiences, so that I can learn from their heart, so that we can grow together as one because we're working towards the same goal. Listen, we've got to ask forgiveness quick. We've got to give forgiveness freely. We've got to forget the past so that we can really grow in unity. Unity makes us unique. And if we'll embrace it, God will use it to change the world. Here's the third thing. Unity is a product of spiritual maturity. It's a product. It results from, it it happens because of spiritual maturity. You see, unity is not a, a consensus meeting, okay? How many of you have ever attended a church that had congregational meetings where you all came together for the sake of unity, okay? How much unity was there by the time you got done with those meetings, I was at a church one time that held four-hour board meetings um, so that we could come together for the sake of unity. Listen, whatever unity we came in with, we abandoned by hour two. Um, We were tired and ready to eat. But see, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 1, 12 through 13. He says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? You see, these people within the church, they were coming together and they were arguing for the sake of consensus. They said, no, 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 that's the person we've got to follow. No, 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 that's the person we've got to model our church after. No, 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 that's the person that is the standard. And Paul stepped in and he said, no. He said, that's not how unity works. We've got to unite ourselves behind Christ and only Christ. You see, because unity is initiated by Christ and it grows, it develops, it matures as our walk with him grows. Let me show it to you on this this funnel right here. Let's imagine this is your walk with Christ. And right here is the ultimate goal of being with Jesus Christ. As soon as you begin a relationship with him, you are somewhere in this funnel. And as a result, there's a unity that defines you that wasn't there before. But here's how we grow in that. As we move closer and closer to Jesus, we're brought in closer and closer to each other. Listen, unity is a byproduct of our relationship with God. As we grow in our relationship with him, we grow in our unity with one another. Here's why that's important, because we're not making unity our goal as a church. We're making Jesus the goal. And if we sprint after him with everything we've got, we will come together and God will use us to change the world. Listen, I love the way... Pastor and author A.W. Tozer talks about this. He says, he says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to one another's, uh, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could ever possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship with one another. Listen, how powerful is that? 
We're not setting our standard to be unity. We're following Jesus. And through that, we're going to grow in our relationship with one another. Let me give you a real practical way that you can do that during this season of our church's existence. As we do this New Testament challenge, read along with the church. And as you do that, you're going to be learning the same things. You're going to be talking about the same things. You're going to be wrestling with the same things. And as a result, we're going to grow closer to Christ. And we're going to grow closer to each other. Listen, here's the bottom line. Division is effortless, but unity is essential. The question is simply this. Are we going to be the kind of church that does what's easy? Or are we going to be the kind of church that God does something amazing through? Listen, I don't believe this is something that we ever check off the list. I don't believe we ever achieve unity and say we can walk away and celebrate the fact that we have arrived and we don't have to tackle that battle again. See, I believe this is a tension that has to be managed. There's always going to be an attack on our unity. There's always going to be a tension around this. And we have got to make a commitment to running towards Jesus and loving one another. Listen, that's why our elders pray about this every time they get together. Our elders, the the most spiritually mature people in our church, they say if there's one thing we're going to pray about over and over and over and over again, it's the unity of our congregation because they know that when we come together, God is going to use us to accomplish amazing things. Listen, I want to challenge you. Pray for this with us. Pray for this for yourself. Pray for this for the people that sit next to you. And watch how God shows up and uses us as we begin to grow in our unity with one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the unity that we do experience here at this church. God, I thank you so much that, that God, we are able to overlook the things that separate us, God, and be a church that looks like what heaven is going to look like. God, a church that, that loves you so much that we love people that are different from us. God, I thank you for the different gifts and personalities and people that make up this church. I thank you that when we combine ourselves together and put ourselves in your hand, God, that you can do so much more with us than we could ever do by ourselves. God, I pray that you show up. We are willing. We are ready. We are yours. Help us to come together so that we can be the church that you want us to be. pray all this in Jesus' name. Hey, we're going to sing one of my favorite worship songs. Um, Clint will tell you, I asked for it when I preached every time for about a year because uh, I love the message behind this song. But we're going to sing these words. We're going we're to sing, God, search my heart. Search my heart. And what I want you to be thinking of is, is there anything inside my heart that God can find that, that needs to be gotten rid of so that I can experience unity in this place? And we're going to sing, God, I'm abandoning myself to you. My heart is abandoned to you. God, we're going to give you everything that divides us and separates us so that we can come together in unity. Let me also say, look, if you're visiting here, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't have that, that thing that unites us together. I hope you see that in us. And I want you to know that we want to, we want to celebrate um, any step you take closer to Christ. We want the opportunity to pray with you and to help introduce you to a relationship that's gonna change every other relationship you have. We're gonna stand and we're gonna sing, but we'll be up here at the front. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. 
Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.